So our epistle this morning comes to us from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter, chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Paul writes, For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. In order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. <coughs> well, Paul is telling us that the gospel that points to Christ, Christ on the cross, seems like silliness to those who are hell-bent on their own destruction. To those who are not saved, the cross of Christ, the message of the gospel, everything that Jesus came and did for us seems like foolishness to them. But, Paul says, for those of us who are on the way of salvation, it makes perfect sense. This is the way God works powerfully. Just like it was written, Paul says, I'm going to turn conventional wisdom on its head. I'm going to expose the so-called experts as crackpots. So we ask the question, where can you find someone truly wise, truly educated, truly intelligent in this day and age? Hasn't God exposed it all as pretentious nonsense? Picture this, that Paul is talking to the church in Corinth thousands of years ago, and we read this, and we could be talking to professors and academia 
the elite on the East Coast, the celebrities on the West Coast who, who just kind of think they know it all, they have it all together. And Paul is saying that since the world in all its fancy wisdom never had a clue when it came to knowing God, God in His wisdom took delight in using what the world considered dumb, preaching of all things, to bring those who trust Him into salvation. And so while the Jews clamor for some kind of miraculous sign or demonstration, and while those that are into philosophy and Eastern religion and New Age religion, all that stuff, go on thinking they know it all, we go right on proclaiming Christ the crucified. It's so bad, in fact, that that Jews treat this whole gospel thing like it's an anti-miracle. Like it's not from God at all. And those philosophers, the Greeks, well, they just pass it off as something that's absurd. But Paul says to those of us who are called by God, whether you're Jew or Greek, doesn't matter. To those of us who are called by God, Christ is God's ultimate miracle and wisdom all wrapped up in one perfect package. Human wisdom, Paul says, is so small, so tiny, so impotent, so nothing that next to the seeming absurdity of God, it's insignificant. Human strength can't even begin to compete with God's weakness. And so Paul tells us to take a good look at who you were when you got called into this life of Christ. Who were you before? Now, Paul kind of takes a dig at the church in Corinth and to us too, just so that we don't get too much on our high horse for thinking that, well, we have it all together because we're in the church, right? Just so we don't get on our high horse, he says, I don't see many of the brightest and best among you. Paul's words, not mine. He's talking to me too. There aren't many influential people here Not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture tends to overlook and exploits and abuses, chose these so-called nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? You know, that's a great illustration. When you look at at the East Coast elites, when you look at the West Coast celebrities, that look upon Texas and everything in between those coasts as flyover country. That's what they call us. If you ask them, everybody between California and Washington, D.C. is just a dumb southerner. That's how they view us. 
and those of us especially who might be clinging to our God and our guns, those of us who, who think that worshiping God is the ultimate in self-identity, those of us who worship God because and love God because He first loved us, Who are those people? Who are those nobodies? But Paul makes it really clear here that nobody gets away with blowing their own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, a fresh start, all of that comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. In other words, yes, we chose rightly in choosing a relationship with Christ, but don't use that to make yourself appear self-righteous and lofty and hold that above those that don't have that relationship. Because when you do that, well, you're no better than an East Coast elitist or a West Coast celebrity. Treating everyone else as less than. Paul says, and I believe him, that plain preaching of a crucified Jesus is more powerful than all the fancy speaking and talking, all the philosophy of the secular, some might even say heathen world. And there are effects, specific effects, of plain biblical preaching. Paul lays them out for us. He says, to those who aren't saved, to those who are perishing, that is, those who don't belong to Christ, biblical preaching is pure foolishness. And because it's foolishness to them, you won't find them reading Scripture. You won't find them at Bible study, and you certainly won't find them here in the sanctuary on Sunday morning. Paul says to the Jews, preaching Christ crucified is a stumbling block because they still, even now, refuse to accept that Jesus is Messiah. They can't get over the fact that Messiah Jesus was not the earthly king that they hoped he would be. Paul says to the Greeks, preaching Christ crucified was foolishness because the story of a crucified Savior just didn't fit their idea of who a hero should be. It wasn't a story that was even eloquently told as far as they were concerned. It didn't suit their desire to have their ears tickled. It didn't fit their vanity. And so they scorned it and they mocked it and especially those who preach the message saying, what hope could we possibly have in a Savior that couldn't even save Himself? Who does that sound like? As Jesus was on the cross, He was taunted by those below Him. If you're really the Messiah, if you're really the King of the Jews, if you're really a Savior, Come down from that cross and save yourself. But to those who are called 
to those who are sanctified, to those who receive the gospel and are enlightened by the Holy Spirit, the preaching of Christ crucified is the power and wisdom of God, Paul says. We have here the triumph of the cross over the so-called wisdom of humankind. All the learned wisdom of the world, the, the human knowledge that's so valued by secular society and academia, all that knowledge is confounded, it's baffled, it's eclipsed by this Christian revelation of the glorious triumph of the cross of Christ. So as I'm studying this, I'm, I'm looking for other ideas on how to make this clear to you. And I come across Matthew Henry's commentary, and he has two very pointed things to say about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. He says, The thing preached was foolishness in the eyes of worldly wise men. Our living through one who died, our being blessed by one who was made a curse, our being justified by one who was himself condemned, all of that was folly and inconsistency to the men blinded with self-conceit and wedded to their own prejudices and the boasted discoveries of their own reason and philosophy. Matthew Henry says, The manner of preaching the gospel was foolishness to them also. None of the famous men for wisdom or eloquence were the ones that God chose to spread the gospel. It was the nobodies. It was the fishermen who were called out and sent on this errand to spread the gospel. It was the fishermen who were commissioned to disciple the nations. These broken vessels chosen to convey the treasure of saving grace to the world. If you looked at Peter, you didn't see a holy man. You saw a fisherman. It didn't look as though this were a man of God spreading the gospel, and yet here he was, him and his fellow disciples. The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. So what does it all mean to me, Pastor, sitting here in the pew this morning? <coughs> when we assemble in this holy space for worship, when we sing a powerful hymn whose words move us to our core, when the sermon seems to be directed straight at you, when you read a verse of Scripture and a light comes on in your head, as suddenly the meaning is unlocked for you and you know in your heart that the verse was put there just for you and your circumstances. When we meet around the Bible study table and the Bible is revealed to you as we discuss its practical value to your life 
Well, all this doesn't seem like foolishness to you, does it? On the contrary, this is to you the power and wisdom of God pouring out on you, building you up, lifting you up out of your circumstances, moving your head out of your illness into hopefulness and into a future that God has for you. While some out there may mock and find the gospel foolish, you have been blessed to see through clear eyes that the power and the wisdom of God is found in His Word, put there for His glory, but also for your highest good. For those who are not saved, the gospel is foolishness. But for you, the gospel is the power and the wisdom of God. Christ crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected all for you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The next hymn is Breathe on Me, Breath of God.